Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. For a long, long time, I have admired from a distance pastors Kevin and Sheila Gerald. And in recent years, have begun to uh, develop a personal relationship with them, and it's been a tremendous blessing for me. Um, Pastor Kevin is someone I've always uh, dreamed of having here someday to speak for us. Um, it's a difficult ask because, frankly, he's tremendously popular and could be out of his pulpit preaching most any place in the world every Sunday. So um, uh, this past uh, spring, I was blessed to be invited to speak at Champion Center, Seattle, Tacoma, in the church that pastors Kevin and Sheila have led for 38 years. And I was just blown away by my experience speaking there that weekend, by everything I saw. Um, their broadcast campus is a you know an auditorium like this, only oh, four times larger, um, with stadium seating that you know people's noses are bleeding up at the top. And uh, thousands of people show up there, and then the service is broadcast to uh, three other uh, locations, plus an online campus. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people call Champion Center their church home. It's the largest church in the Seattle-Tacoma area, one of the largest churches in the Northwest. Um, uh, Kevin and Sheila also lead an organization called Team Church that serves churches all over the world. I uh, was present at their, the Teen Church Conference this past spring. It took a couple of our staff team with me um, where, I don't know how many people were in attendance at that conference. Three or 4,000 people probably all told. It's going to grow every time I tell it, Kevin. Next week it'll be 10,000. But anyway, thousands of people registered, uh, mostly pastors and church staff team members to learn how to do church as a team. And uh, that was a great experience as well. Pastor Kevin is a prolific author. In fact, uh, I'd be shocked if there are any books left because there was a long line of people uh, to purchase them and to have him sign them this morning. It's funny, he didn't even know his team had sent books, but we wanted them to send books because we're a book-loving kind of church, aren't we guys? We, uh, we want to read, we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to get better at life. And um, so uh, we're big into books. And uh, his latest of a number of books published by major publishers is Naked and Unafraid, Five Keys to Abandon Smallness, Overcome Criticism, and Be All You Are Meant to Be. I've read a good bit of this. It's fantastic. Um, a, a really fun book. Um, if I still had young children or grandchildren, uh, this I'd be all over this, is a book that Kevin wrote called Mind Monsters, Conquering Fear, Worry, Guilt, and other negative thoughts that work against you with the companion children's book that's really beautiful that was co-written with, by, with Kevin, co-written, co, Kevin co-wrote this with his daughter, Jody. And um, it's, it's, it's a great children's book. You can read it at dark, shine a flashlight on it. The, uh, the, 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 the monsters that you're putting out of your mind come alive on the page. I encourage you, uh, if you'd like, 
to stop, and he's willing, I, I think, if he doesn't have to leave too soon to catch an airplane back home to sign some books after the service. So we're always encouraging people to read, learn, grow, get deeper, get better, and so on. Hey, guys, it is a tremendous privilege for us to have Kevin Gerald here at the Life Christian Church. Please give a great big TLCC welcome to Kevin Gerald. Wow, wow. Hello, church. Hello, church. Should I simmer down a little bit? Calm down. It's great to be in New Jersey and uh, to be invited to just celebrate this big weekend with you guys. 32 years. 32 years. That's no joke for a pastor to come and to still not only be here, but to be moving church forward here. There's a, a, today there's a, there's a real void of leadership, and maybe you're aware of that. It's been written about, it's uh, the observation from corporate world all the way through education, all the way through the church world. Uh, we call it the great resignation, maybe you've heard it said like that, but uh, leaders are, are opting out of the opportunity and the options that they have at an unprecedented rate right now uh, with the challenges and so forth that are faced in any kind of, any kind of leadership uh, today. And so I'm saying that because it's a big deal when you have a pastor who came here with a heart for this area and for this region and has given his life, not only him, but I want to just commend his family. Uh, I want to commend all the children today. Uh, We call them PKs, preacher kids. And uh, I know a lot of people would look at PKs and think, wow, you know, they, uh, in a lofty way, but uh, I don't know that there's anything that would be more challenging in terms of growing up with a certain kind of spotlight on your life and expectations and so forth. And so I just want to commend the whole family, the Smith family, a job well done and congratulations. Really, could you appreciate your pastors today? Pastor Terry has explained our our relationship. Let uh, Let me just add to that, that he he is well known uh, beyond these four walls, and he, as a writer, I've, I've read his books as well. Uh, he is well regarded. He is thought of highly in the church world and uh, respected for his ability to communicate effectively, help us all be better. And I know a lot of times when you're in a church, you don't really realize. I mean, this just happened to me this morning. Um, I was up here doing what I'm doing right now and sitting right here on the second row was a young man who grew up in our church and now he, his son is a worship leader in our church and he's here and I got up here and I looked out and saw him. I've known him all his life, folks. I looked out and saw him and I thought, he looks a lot like Marty, which is the guy's name. Like He looks a lot like Marty. I almost said that, in fact. But he, I didn't say a word. 
And he, he was amen to me, and he was like nodding his head, and, he was, and I was enjoying every minute of it. But I couldn't believe when he came out to the book table and stopped by and said, hi, pastor, I'm just in town for a few days. I'm like, no, shut up. You got to be kidding me. Like, I didn't even, I didn't even acknowledge because, again, you go, you're, you're, you go and, you, and you walk in a different room, and you talk to a different church, and you get to be there, and then you just think home people are home people, you know? <laughs> And then the new church is the new church. But I even have this. I'll tell you a little bit, like my right or wrong, uh, hopefully you won't judge me on this, but I know I haven't been here for your battles. I know I haven't been here for the things you've been through in 32 years. But when I walk in a room like this and, and I look around, I, I kind of include myself in your journey in the sense that like we're doing pretty good here. Like the well done. We, we've come a long way, baby. Like I have that we kind of thing going on, you know, because I just, I, I've come to really be grateful for God's great church. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm going to talk about loving and building the church. Uh, if you would just, just say this out loud with me. Say my heart's open. My mind's ready. Make me better. God. Come on, say aloud. Make me better, God. By your word, I receive it, and I believe it, and I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout a great big amen. amen. Okay, loving and building the house of God. You know, some people love and build homes, and schools, and universities, and some people build businesses, but God's people way back in time, since, since the Old Testament, God's people have been loving and building God's house. I want to share some verses that just sort of put the exclamation mark on this, and you can hear the, the passion in it. Uh, Psalm 26 and 8, the psalmist writes, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 84 and 10 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper. Isn't that good? I'd rather just be standing at the door, maybe not engaged in all of the, the perks of being in the, in the room, but I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Psalm 122 and 1, he says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let's go to church today. Let's go to church. Let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, when I, when I read this and think about it, he was, I know he was human just like you and I, and he didn't always maybe feel like going when it was time to go. And we wake up, don't we, some days, and we're like, uh, wow, wish I, I wish I could stay in the bed a little bit longer. But my, my, my wife, my husband, my mom, the church, they're counting on me. I got to get up and I got to go to church. And let me just tell you that you're not alone in that. 
Uh, even as a pastor, there's days I, I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to be there. And, and, and somebody's got to remind me, well, you're the pastor. Like, you better show up for church. So it, I don't th- think that, that actually the psalmist is saying he always feels like it. I think he's saying, proclaiming, I'm so glad I'm a part of this people. And that together we are, we are encouraging one another and we are, we are lighting one another up because there's also a lot of weeks where we would say, I can't wait to get to church, right? And there are times where it's like, I can't wait to get. And I think that's what he's talking about. Psalm 23 and 6 says this. He says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord until somebody says something to offend me. Somebody shout forever. Forever. Say it again, forever. Forever. See, there's nothing that we can do that is in more sync with Jesus than loving and building his church. A lot of people today I know have had bad experiences at a church. There's this thing called church hurt that's become a popular phrase for many people to explain that the church, the church hurt me. And then it's used as a reason why I don't really go to a church. I would just suggest, I wish I had a whole lot of time to spend on this, but I would like to suggest the church has never hurt anyone. People at church hurt people. People at church say things that sometimes we shouldn't say. Would you agree with me? And there are moments in in the imperfection, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, in the imperfection of who we are, where the imperfection shines through, shows through. But you know people today who would say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't do that church thing. And I want to, I want to, I want to kind of come up against that if I can today. I just want to remind some people that if you're wondering what Jesus is up to these days, this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is building his church. He said in, in, uh, in Matthew 16 and 18, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Ephesians chapter 5 says Christ loved the church. He loved the church and he gave himself up for her. So the big question today is that if Jesus loves and builds the church, is building the church, why would, why would any believer be indifferent towards the church? Or why would we be passive towards the church? Why would we be half-hearted towards, like, if Jesus loves and is building, why, why would any believer want to tear down 
what Jesus is building. I want to say, uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, the church is not just a good idea, the church is God's idea. It's God's idea for bringing the message of hope, salvation, life to the world. The church embodies the heart, the mind, and the spirit of God. So there is nothing on earth that we can do that is more aligned with Jesus than to love and build his church. This is not my idea. I didn't come up with this. Your pastor Terry's brilliant, but he didn't come up with this idea. This is God's idea. I said, this is God's idea. Come on, I said, this is God's idea. And I think at some point when a believer really begins to understand and, and grasp the concept of his love for his church and the fact that the church is what Scripture calls the bride of Christ and that we are all what I call children of the church. Think about it for a minute. If he's the father and the church is his bride, then we become children of that combination. And, and which means like there's a certain point you get to where it's not just about being a, a pastor, so I'm going to stand up for the church. It's about realizing that we are children of the church, the church that has been strong throughout the ages, the church who's been invincible, the church ordained by God, so that there's a point where we're not just like, like, you know, standing up for our father. We're saying, don't you talk bad about my mother. Like, don't you talk bad about my mama. Like, you can talk, you can talk all you want about how somebody did something, but don't bring the church down. Like, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for God's great church. Come on, can you shout amen? See, a Christian is who we are individually. The church is who we are collectively. It's God's plan for every believer to be connected and committed to his church. Okay, let me go to the next point that we have, and that is that the house of God is the closest thing to heaven on earth. The house of God is the closest thing to heaven on earth. I'm going to read a scripture in Genesis 28 or show it to you here today. But let let me just remind you that that the text is Jacob, the, the observation of Jacob, who was in the wilderness and he encountered the presence of God. And here's what he said, Genesis 28. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. So he was afraid. And he said, how awesome 
is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I mentioned the young man from my church who I've known all my life. If there's anything that I hope to do for those of you who have been around the church for a while or even your whole lifetime, it would be today to just remind you and raise your awareness of something that is happening in front of you consistently that is really easy to overlook. In the same way, I didn't even really believe that was that young man. I was overlooking him. I didn't acknowledge him. He was right here today. What I want to say to you is that there are great things that happen in the house of God that don't happen anywhere else. And it's really easy to overlook the greatness of God's people. It's really easy to have it right in front of you on a constant basis and to overlook how valuable it really is in all of our lives. One of the books, we don't have it here today, that I wrote, I called it Good Things. And a lot of my books I write sometimes out of my own, you know, my own observation of myself. And I think, well, somebody else might be, somebody else might have mind monsters. So maybe I'll, I'll write a book and help, help them. But, you know, I write a lot of times out of my own experience. Good Things is one of those. And it's basically what I explain to you right now is that we are around things on a consistent basis that we take for granted, that we don't really see, we don't mention, we don't talk about it, and we don't celebrate it. Some of you have an incredible life right now. You, you live with an incredible husband or wife right now. You're really grateful for them, but it's really easy to not say that. It's really, really easy sometimes to overlook that. Some of you are so proud of your children, and you're just like, so thankful. And if anybody really gives you a chance, you'll go down that road and you'll brag on them a little bit. Pastor Terry did this yesterday with his son, Christian. Christian was being real modest and Pastor Terry's wanting to let me know about his son. Like, this is my boy. And, and finally he had to tell, he had to tell Christian like, hey, you be quiet. Let your parents brag on you a little bit. But how often do these great things in our life get overlooked? And I think I think sometimes we just got to come back to the reminder that the, the church is amazing. Like great things happen here that don't happen anywhere else. Most of us got saved in the church. Our prayers get answered in the church. People experience God's presence in the church. Lives get changed in the church. Hearts get healed in the church. Am I speaking your language yet? yet? Relationships are mended. A great message comes across that sometimes as couples, we go home and we have a chat about it because it resonated, like, and we're being really open and transparent about it. Nowhere else does it, it doesn't happen. It, that doesn't happen at the restaurant. It doesn't happen at the supermarket. It doesn't happen at Walmart. Only happens in the church. Friends become family in the church. People meet their spouse in the church. Grace is huge in the church. Church is not perfect, but it's an amazing, awesome place. I remember I went home after being away for a while, and my mom cooked my favorite meal. One of my favorite meals my mom cooked is, is meatballs. I love meatballs. 
And I remember going home, and she had some meatballs that first day I was home. And Sheila wasn't there with me. Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was just me. I sat down at the table. My mom was so happy I was home and excited. She puts the meatballs out in front of me, and I, I, you know, I, I take a bite of it. And, and she's watching me like a mom who loves to cook and loves to cook for her children. And she's watching me. And I think my face showed that it wasn't quite as good as I remembered. Like, it was... And, and, and so I had a kind of a funny look on my face, and she's like, so, so how is it? Oh, oh, good. This is really good, Mom. This is really good. And she knew. She knew. And so she said back to me, son, my meatballs are like you're preaching. Sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. <laughs> so... So as a pastor, on behalf of your pastor, I want to say sometimes we get it a little bit better than other times, right? Church is not perfect. I said church is not perfect. And sometimes, hopefully, you walk away with a whole lot of grace, and you're like, well, I hope that was for somebody else today. Hope they got something good out of it. As Pastor Terry mentioned, our our, our church is... Uh, it, it, it has not, it has the floor, it has a, a, a next level, two level, and then it has level three. It's stadium so, seating, so it kind of wraps around. So we have these kind of gates, we have them several spots, I think eight or nine spots, and have them up higher, and it's very steep. So a few years ago, we realized, we had some couple of incidents, and we realized it really wasn't safe for people who were coming in late to be coming in the gates, walking up the steps, going to their seat, when the people that were there on time were, they had their eyes closed, they're maybe worshiping God like this, and there's a, the, the narrow little passage where you had to come and scoot in, and it would interfere kind of with the person who was there, and so forth. So, so we said, hey, ushers, hold people at the gate until we get through that moment, where people, you know, our, our eyes are closed and so forth, that moment of worship. And so first Sunday, first Sunday, this woman comes in one of the upper level, you know, gates. And it, it was her church and she goes, comes every week and she came marching through the gate late. And the usher put his hands out like this and he, he stopped her. And she took a step back. And she said, you mean I can't go to church? I can't go into service? And he's like, no, 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 you can go in service. But we just need you to wait here for a couple minutes, like just for a few minutes. We're, getting, we're in a worship time, da, da, da. And he just keeps, he's holding her back. And she doesn't like that. Like she, finally, she pulls out the, the, the big card. She says, uh, what would Jesus do? <laughs> <laughs> and the quick-thinking usher said, Jesus would be on time for church. <laughs> now, he apologized, like, to the head usher who apologized to me. He said, somebody might have been offended today. <laughs> I might have offended that woman. It just kind of came out of my mouth <laughs> before I knew. And my point is, is that stuff happens at church. Things get said, come on, things get done in church because we are imperfect. 
I've threatened a lot of times to put a sign up over, you know, our doorways, our entryways uh, that just said, you know, perfect people not allowed. Uh, you, you can't come here because the, the reality is I think sometimes we assume that because the, the church is so awesome and God's using the church throughout history like he has and we're here like we are, that that means that everything's going to be done to perfection and everybody's going to act right, behave right, and say the right things at church. And it's just not true. Anybody thankful for the church today? Are you thankful? The church, next is that the church is, this is another observation for you, is that the church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I went this week to a doctor, a skin doctor, right after we landed, had a couple of days, and we had a couple of weeks ahead of time, had an appointment. We landed from South Africa. And I got in to see her and showed her my concern of a mole on my neck, to which she looks at it, quickly says, ah, it, there's really no, I don't see any need for concern here, but I recommend that we get it off. And I said, okay, that, that, that's fine. Um, I'm fine with that. And then she said, and we, we will biopsy the mole, just in case. And what she was saying to me was that her educated eyes and opinion may not be sufficient enough. It might be flawed and there might be an error, and should not have the final say. And the truth is, is that if you go to the doctor, you might wish for a clean bill of health, but the truth could save your life. First Timothy, Paul writes to the young pastor Timothy in chapter 3, and he says to Timothy, he says, hey, if I'm delayed, you're going to know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's house. And then he makes this next statement, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of and foundation of the truth. In other words, the church is singled out by God as a place that does not find its first obligation to culture or to a specific people group or to a race, to a current trend. The commitment of the church is not first to how people feel, to how 
people were raised or how people prefer to live. And I'm saying that to you today because I can tell that you are you're fun-loving people. You love to celebrate. We're celebrating 32 years today, and we're clapping, and we're, uh, we're, we're people who enjoy coming in here and a good invigorating message, something that's helpful and relevant in our lives. But I want to just insert this, is that the church is assigned, and leaders are assigned to be the place where people will receive truth, even when it's not pleasant. <laughs> Pastors are in, in our calling. God calls us. And believe me, we all want people to like us. But God calls us to make sure we have a loyalty and an alignment. And we fulfill the calling of God by being willing to speak truth, even when it's not what we would want to say or people would want to hear. And as I spend this weekend with you today, I think about the road ahead, and I wanted to define, I wanted to just insert this as we talk about the greatness of the church. This is one of, this is one of the diamonds in, in the greatness, is that we are, for society, we are assigned to be a place where truth is spoken from the platform, but also amongst the believers, friend to friend. I call it tables of truth, places where we will sit down together and we will say, according to Matthew chapter 18, I have to tell you I've been offended by you, and I have to ask you to forgive me. I've got some stuff I'm working through in my own heart. We're assigned by God to be truth talkers, even when it's uncomfortable. And let me just talk about truth for a minute. Truth is based on facts, what is actual. Truth is not relative. Truth is fixed, like true north. Truth is not what you feel. Feelings are than feelings. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are fickle. They change. I would say from day to day, but actually from moment to moment. Truth is not what you think about something or wish about something, but what is actual and factual. 
if your five-year-old child believes that they can fly. You don't help them go to the roof of the building so they can jump. No, we don't do that. Because we know that gravity is a truth. And we conform to it. If you're on an airplane, I don't think this is a far-reaching assumption to say this. You do not want the pilot to fly by feelings. He might not have got much sleep. He might have had a spat with his wife. No. You don't want an announcement to say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know, I've been doing this for a few years now. We don't need the instrument panel today. I got this down. I've flown this route before. Instrument panel's going off, and I'm going to fly you today by my own experience. You don't want that. I don't, I'm off the plane. Like, if, if the door's not open, I will find, I will make a door. I will create a door. Like, yeah, I want off that plane, right? Right? Why? Because the instrument panel, and I don't have a Bible in front of me, it's on my iPad, but there's a true north in our lives. And, and the church is the pillar. I said the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And you might think, well, why, why do you emphasize that? Why is that so important? Because in the absence of truth, lies live. Harmful lies. Destructive lies. Lies that are cruel. And there are people in this room that have believed things about yourself that are not true. The family you were born into, the things that were said to you and about you, they're not true. And so today, my last, my last part of this, or my last thought, is to just say to you that the church is the hope of the world. 3,000 churches a year closed down. But 5,000 churches a year open up. Church has always historically increased. If you read data about how the church is going down, I have other data that I have researched and studied, and I will tell you the church isn't going down. The church is going forward. Church is growing, increasing in strength. The church is moving in a rate of that you and I, if we understood the numbers, we would know God's hand is on it. Because man cannot do what is happening or make it happen. The church is the hope of the world. As imperfect as it is, human beings involved in it. See, my family is from, my family is from South Louisiana. And what that means is that my the men in our family background, they were, they, they were alligator hunting, beer drinking, women chasing men. 
And then my grandfather was a teenager who went to a revival meeting. And when my grandfather went to the revival meeting, my life was changed. He got planted in the house of God. He started a new legacy. There were mornings where I was with my grandfather visiting and I'd get up with him early on a Sunday morning. He'd put me in the car with him and we'd go because he was the head usher in his church and he would open up the doors. I love that song we sang today at the church I grew up in. It influences and impacts your life. If you didn't grow up in a church, I hope that you, your children will or your grandchildren will or you will help other children. Because it influences and impacts your life. And I'll never forget my grandfather opening up the door to the church and being there and leading and doing and he championed, he championed this thing called the church. And my life was forever changed. And I'm telling you that story because a few years ago, as I moved past middle age and got into this latter part of my own story, I started really valuing legacy. And I started realizing that I'm not, this is not just about me and it's not just about my experience. This is about our children. It's about our children's children. And I started a phrase that we use in our house, think three. It's, we, it's part of who we are now. We think at least three generations into the future. At least three generations. So it's not just about, about us. And this is a beautiful morning. And this is an amazing weekend. And thank God for 32 years. But I want to encourage you today that you would not just think about us. You would not just think about a morning like this or a weekend like this. That you would understand and realize. I met some young people, actually some team members today who grew up in this house. And, and as I shook their hands, and Pastor Terry's the only, the only pastor they've ever known, well, their story is not a negative one. Their story is not bad experience. I'm sure they've had challenges and temptations to, you know, to leave the church or walk away. Everybody feels that at some point or another. But my point is, is that when we understand the purpose of God, then we begin to understand. The Bible, the Bible says like this, in in sets of three, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Scripture says that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Paul said to Timothy, he said, I'm praying that the faith that was in your mother and your grandmother might also be in you. Think three. 
Think three. You could be single now, not even married, have no children. I want to encourage you to think three. In our house, I tell our young people, I, I tell our teenagers, I, I say to them like, hey, there's a 14-year-old, you're 17 years old, there's a 14-year-old that will pay more attention to you than he will his mom and his dad. Stoop down, give him a high five, give him a word of encouragement, because that, that could be more important and go further than his own parents or even his pastor at this point in his life. It's understanding that we as a people hold within our grasp something that is very valuable in the heart of God called the church. And it is eternal, it is significant. And I wanna, I wanna say a couple of last things about our kids. I wanna tell you that our kids need the church. We're not just building our church for ourselves. We're building it for our children. They need to grow up knowing who God is and what he thinks and what he says. They need us to teach them that they are citizens of God's kingdom. They need to know that there's no such thing as your truth or my truth, but only the truth. They need us to help them know that they are not a mistake. Who they are is not a mistake. Their gender is not a mistake. Their skin color is not a mistake. Their ethnicity is not a mistake. They need us to teach them that all of us are created in the image of God and in His likeness. <laughs> not only are they not a mistake, but they are, they are not victims. That we are through God's power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are victors, that we can live with a hope. We can live with a mentality because the word of scripture says that when you are born again, you overcome the world. You have the power to overcome every form of opposition and discouragement and oppression and depression. Come on, in your life. I really believe today, I heard your pastor share, I, I, I'll let him do that, but I just heard him share last night in a little session that we were in with some of the folk of your church. He was sharing about the next generation and his heart for the next generation. And I just, I, I just swelled up on the inside because I believe God is really speaking to his church right now. And, and, and he, when we say our children, we're not just speaking of our flesh and blood children. We're talking about the, the, the ones that come along into our airspace in the church. And we're saying, you know what? They need us to protect them. They need us to, in some cases, shield them. In some cases, they need us to tell them the truth in a spirit of love. 
Uh, that these are our children. These are our sons and daughters. And they are sons and daughters of God who we have been given the opportunity to love and to represent on the planet. And we're not going to let them down. So we're not going to let them down. So today in, in closing... I just want to say to all of you that it's been amazing where you've come from. I hope, I hope you feel a sense, even if you've been here a short time, I just hope you look around and you go, this is pretty cool. Pastors, 32 years. I, that's pretty cool. They didn't run when it would have been easy to run. They didn't quit when it had been easy to quit. They didn't give up when they could have given up, like they stayed in here. The average stay of a pastor, by the way, is three years in one location. 32 years. 32 years, and today, yeah. So today, I, I'm with you. Let's celebrate our past, and let, let's rejoice in the present. But you know what? Let's look forward with a whole lot of confidence that the best days are ahead. We're going to invest in our children. We're going to sow. Come on, we're going to sow good seeds, and we're going to move church forward in the kingdom of God. Amen? God bless you guys. Love you today. A privilege to be with you. Have a great Sunday.